Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to be together in your name. And we pray now, Lord, that you would give us grace to lay aside the things that are weighing on us or distracting us, that we might sit at your feet and learn from your word. So fill us, Lord, that we may be the blessing you've called us to be. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, so we are now in our third week of our sermon series on how to pray like Jesus. And in the first week, we looked at the things that would have shaped and formed Jesus' prayer minute prayer practices, his spiritual disciplines. Uh, we looked at uh, how he would have recited the Psalms and the Shema and prayed the Amida or a form of it. And then last week, we looked at how Jesus used solitude in order to prepare for, for big events, to recover from big events, and, and after he was troubled or concerned about various things, he made it a regular practice to go off by himself, to limit the distractions in order to be attentive to his father. And today, we're going to be looking at something a little more serious, something that strikes terror into the hearts of many Anglicans. And that's praying extemporaneously, right? Praying aloud without any preparation and without a book. I know so many Anglicans that when somebody says, would you please lead us in prayer, their heart just stops. And you can see the terror form in their eyes. And it's, it's frightening, right? Because they'll say, I'll pray for you for sure. I'll pray in the quiet of my heart. That's no problem. Or what page would you like me to pray from in the prayer book? That's not a problem. But to pray out loud in front of others well, that's just uncomfortable. And yet, Jesus did it. He prayed aloud often. And, and today we're going to be looking at four of his short prayers in the moment. And I want to remind us that if we are to pray like Jesus, that if Jesus is our Savior, yes, and he is our Lord, yes, but if he's also our example in how to live in the kingdom, then praying aloud is actually an important part of our spiritual discipline. Um. So why, why is it an important thing? I want to go to 1 Peter 2.9 to look at this. Um, there Peter is describing what the church is and what it's become. And part of that is that you, he says, you are a royal priesthood. And oftentimes we've read, we've read that so many times that we just keep on going. But what does that mean to be a royal priesthood? And the first thing that it means is that we are royals. Because of Jesus, because we are in Christ, we are co-heirs with him. And royals have a certain amount of authority, or at least they did. I'm not so sure anymore. But they did, and in the context of our faith, we are daughters and sons of the king. We are in intimate relationship with the one who is in charge. And so we have been given an authority because of our being in Jesus. The second part of that is that we are priests. By virtue of your baptism, you are a priest. And among other things, priests intercede on behalf of the world. So part of who we are as followers of Jesus is to be those who intercede on behalf of the world with the authority of God. We have authority to be praying hope into, into places of despair light into darkness, peace into conflict. We have authority to be doing this, to be praying for healing in places of disease. That's who we are. That's what we're called to do. 
So I have a confession to make. Um, you know, somebody who will remain nameless, I'll just point in his general direction over there, said, I preach too long, you know, and my sermons were, you know, an hour was too long for a sermon, right, John? Right, an hour is too long for a sermon. I, as I was preparing for this talk, I, I wanted to look at these four prayers, and I wanted to go into depth with each one. And as I was doing it, I'm like, this isn't going to preach well. And as I was praying about it, I heard a still small voice say, it's not meant to preach well. Let them come to me. So, I want to read these four passages with you. And I want to encourage you this week to take one or some or all of these passages and sit with your Bible and read them. Read them in their context. And pray, Jesus, teach me to pray like you. And use these passages of Scripture to shape you and to influence how things are going. So in these four prayers, I'd like to read them aloud together. Are you okay with that? We're very excited because talking in masks is fun. (laughs) So the first passage is from Matthew chapter 11. And John the Baptist has asked Jesus, you know, are you really the one? Here I am sitting in prison. Are you really the one? And then Jesus observes that this whole generation Uh, wants John and, and himself to dance to their tune. But Jesus prays this. Let's read it together. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. That's the longest prayer we'll look at. Next we go to John chapter 11, and it's the story of Lazarus. And basically Jesus is praying in appreciation for the Father having answered his prayer. Let's read this together. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. The next is, is Jesus, is, he sort of slips this prayer in in conversation with his disciples. He's saying how troubled he is. And he's saying, should I ask God to spare me from this hour? No, it's for this hour that I came. We, pray, we say together, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And finally, when while in agony, while being crucified, Jesus prayed this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Okay. So these just some observations about these prayers that Jesus prayed. And the first one, they're always prayed not to God Almighty, not to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus prays to Father. At times when we are praying in a given situation, it may feel like God is a million miles away. The truth is, God is very near to you. He's near to us. There's no such thing as as a hopeless situation. God is present. So Jesus prays intimately 
to Father. The next thing is that Jesus, when he prays, these prayers are grand. And I don't mean that they have a lot of flowery speech or they're super long or anything like that, but they have a broader understanding of what's happening. For example, he was aware that people wanted him to conform. And so he prayed not only Father, but he prayed Lord of heaven and earth. Who's the true king? The Father, right? And, and uh, I don't know if you've ever have been in a job situation where you had more than one boss. Has anyone been in that situation? It's horrible because one person's telling you to do one thing, another person's telling you to do another, and you're not going to please anybody, right? Jesus knew that there was one person he had to please, and he knew that there was this wonderful plan of salvation. When he was deeply troubled, he prayed, uh, not, uh, you know, spare me from this hour, but Father, glorify your name. May your character be reflected perfectly by the way I'm doing this. I think I told you about my friend Rose that I, I bumped into at the hospital once and she had just found out, she was always visually impaired, but she just found out that she was going to go completely blind and that her cancer had returned. And she found that out in one day. And when I saw her in the lobby, she was sitting there kind of shell-shocked. And I went up to her and I said, Hey, Rose, how are you? And, she's, and I had to say, it's Paul, because she couldn't see me. And she said, uh, well, I'm processing. And I said, what? well, what happened? And she told me everything that had just happened to her that day. And I, I didn't know what to say. And when she said, I just want to do this well. I want to honor Jesus by how I walk this. She had a grand vision of what was happening. It is so important for us to have that grand vision of what God is doing. Even our suffering, God is going to use in a redeeming way. Jesus had that grand vision. You know, when he's being nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They were Roman soldiers. I think they knew what they were doing, but they didn't know who they were doing it to. And so he prayed, Father, forgive. He had a vision that carried him beyond his own suffering. They were also very appropriate. His prayers were based in the moment. There's a very disturbing trend amongst people right now to not listen to the news or watch the news or read the news because it's depressing. And that's fair. It is depressing. But how are we to be praying with authority over a situation if we don't understand or even know what's going on? I think it's time for us to take very seriously that we need to be aware of the moment. And not only in the world affairs, but in our relationships to, be, to understand what's going on. <laughs> when I was fresh at a seminary, I went to a woman's house who was dying of cancer. And she had teenage kids. She had a husband she loved very dearly. And I was fresh out of clinical pastoral education. And they, they, that's good in some ways. In other ways, it's just not helpful. And so I'm sitting there with this woman and I asked the question that I was trained at CPE and that it was, how can I pray for you? How would you like me to pray for you? And she looked at me and she said, that's a really strange question. No one's ever asked me that before. If I had been sensitive to her situation, it was obvious what she wanted. She wanted to be made well. She wanted to see her kids graduate high school. She wanted several more years of a happy marriage. She loved life. It was obvious. We need to be aware of, of our relationship to where people are at so that we can pray with, uh, in an appropriate way. The final thing that Jesus, these little prayers are, they're short. 
They're not big, lengthy prayers. Next week, we're going to look at John 17. That's a big, lengthy prayer. But our prayers don't need to be flowery. They don't need to be long. God knows. We can be very basic in how we pray. We don't have to have it all together. Um, Ecclesiastes 5, 2, he says, God is up in heaven, we're down on earth, so let our words be few. So the next thing is, how can we learn to be more comfortable in praying out loud in the moment? And there's, there's a number of things here. Um, I'm going to reverse for a bit here. If you want to be more comfortable in, in, in praying out loud, teach yourself to pray the prayers, whether it's the prayer book or the BAS or, or whatever. Allow that liturgy, the work of the people, to form your understanding of prayer. There's an Anglican priest that I used to serve with that uh, was so formed by the BCP that when he prayed in the moment extemporaneously, it sounded just like the BCP. And, I, and it was weird. I remember praying with him once and he was praying over, over the situation and he had his prayer book in his hand. So I'm flipping through the prayer book to see what page he's on. And, I, and so later I said, what page were you on? He goes, I wasn't on any page. I was just praying. He was so formed. His, his understanding of prayer was so formed that it was beautiful. In addition to, to having that kind of training in prayer, it's really helpful, well, it's essential for us to know the will of God in a situation. How do we know the will of God? By knowing the heart of God. Through the practice of solitude, we can spend time and be exposed to the heart of God. And that's why these things are so essential. Um, also, be aware. Stay current with your, those you're praying for. Stay current with the events happening on in the world. Um, but if you're getting depressed by the news, yes, it's good to maybe take a break from it. But place the news in the context of God's redemption story and what God wants. These are opportunities to pray. And then practice praying out loud. My favorite place for praying out loud is when I'm driving in the car by myself because no one can hear the stupid things I say except for the Lord. <laughs> I hope. Sometimes you're at a red light and you look over and people are just staring at you, right? That's a little uncomfortable. But in Ignatian spirituality, there's something called the colloquy, which is just a spiritual conversation with God where you can use your imagination and, and you know, God is there with you and you're just talking with a friend. Jesus calls us friends. Our prayers don't need to be wordy and they don't need to be long. They need to be heartfelt, sincere, um, and in accordance with the will of God. So my prayer for us is that we would grow in this discipline, in this calling to be those who intercede with the authority of God in a world that so desperately needs to know hope and love, peace and joy. Next week, we're going to be looking at how Jesus prayed for the church. So um, that'll be looking at John 17. If you need a copy of the verses, uh, let me know after the service and I'll, I'll get you the verses. I forgot to print those off. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love and for your example, for the provision you give us. And we pray, Lord, that you would, you would bless our whole church, the whole church, by calling us back to a prayer, to the ministry of intercession. Lord, I pray that you would so be moving in us by your Holy Spirit 
that we would be drawn to times of solitude. We pray that you would give us uh, self-discipline in order to, to be making our time with you a priority. And Lord, in this time of difficulty and uncertainty, we pray that we would go deeper with you. Make our hearts desire to glorify your name. For it is in your name that we pray. Amen.